Hello, and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fights. Rides, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Let's get rolling. All right, and welcome to the first episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. I am uh, joined today in Watertown, New York by Mr. Craig Burley and Mr. Todd Phelps, who's the owner of the Black River Ventures shop, which we are currently in. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good yourself. Very good. Good. Okay. So since it's the first episode, I thought, why not talk about what makes us stoked? Because one, it's part of the name. Craig, what currently makes you stoked about bicycles? Just getting out and uh, enjoying the activity. And Todd? I love the social aspect of it. You know, you get uh, together with friends, even if it's just a group ride, if it's a shop ride, you know, just having everybody come together and, and working as a team and interacting with everybody. And obviously putting on a, a bigger event or something than, you know, if you show up at a charity ride, the energy and from everybody. Because you used to support events and now you actually run your own events, right? And is there a a still an excitement on that? Trepidation is more the word I'd go with right now. It was a lot, a lot of work last year, and everybody's asking me, are we doing it again? And COVID was such a pain that, yeah, I haven't really put it together yet. I do still plan on it. Okay, and what makes me stoked the most right now is I think with how, you know, crazy life is, it's nice to get out and ride. And for me, it's a big de-stressor so that I can just calm down a little bit, just ride, just focus on that. And Craig, is there anything else that makes you excited about bicycles? Uh, I like working on them and stuff like that. That uh, gives me uh, something to work my hands and my brain and figure out the complexity of uh, how things are messed up and what needs to be done. You know, how to build a wheel, rebuild a wheel, stuff like that. So it's... It's uh, really enjoyable like that. Is there a certain pride that you have when you don't have to, you know, nothing against Todd, that you don't have to bring that bicycle in to fix it because you can kind of do most of the stuff by yourself? Oh, yeah. There is for me. There is. I'll go and go find parts and it's like, oh, let's, let's, let's build this one. Or I'll get on eBay and I'll be looking around. It's like, oh, there's a frame set for 700 Let me put an offer in because it make offer. Oh, I'll give you 500 Okay. Really? I didn't really want to buy that. I just wanted to mess with you. But I guess I have to buy it now. In, in case anybody's wondering, that's why Craig's divorced. Yeah. <laughs> that was other reasons. And you know what they are. <laughs> you know, the spring's coming, so we're looking forward to the uh, events up here in the North Country and stuff like that. The whole two of them that we have, or three now, because Todd's going to put on his gravel ride race. Yeah. Which actually was pretty, you know, I heard people talk about and you know, it turned out pretty good. And the weather didn't cooperate last year at all. It rained. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's a, it's a gravel day, ride. But so. Yeah. So let, let's talk more about this. Todd, what is the race you put on? So it's called the Tug Hill Epic. It's 106 miles. If you want to do the actual Epic, we have three shorter courses. But we have a 75, a 40, and what I call the Family 15. So if your significant other is coming to do the 106 well, you can still show up with the kids and do 15. Yeah, so last year it rained the entire time, uh, but the volunteers were fantastic. And based out of Lavo, New York, right? 
Yeah, yeah, up at on the Tug Hill. So it covers a lot of the Tug Hill. Actually, it, last year it went into three different counties, Jefferson, Lewis, and Oswego, just barely into Oswego. And this year I'm hoping to cut that part of the course just because you have to deal with all the counties. You have to get permission from them to use the roads and talk to the sheriffs and in the different townships. So it'll be a lot less paperwork if I can alter the course a little bit. It's nice to be up here where we have the Adirondacks. We have the river that have different elevation changes and it's more of a cons- inconsistent ride, more challenging. And, you know, stuff like going out to Lowville, New York, you have that elevation change. We also have so much scenic beauty around you that it makes it less of a boring ride. Yeah, we do have some really, really good quality roads with less traffic out in the more country area, especially where you're living. That's a nice area up there. I've been last year. I did a lot of uh, rides in Krogan, mm-hmm. and out in that surrounding area. There's a shop out there, and I was on kind of Tuesday or something like that. I get done early, and I would blitz out there and catch a ride with them. And when I was younger, I had fought, my grandfather had a, a place in Krogan. Venture on back and relived that area, which I never rode until this year. And it's like, oh my god, this is nice thing too. Is that bike shop in Krogan also has an ice cream shop too? Yeah. which is even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, they, if you ride, do a group ride, they. That you get for your ice cream. This is a small cone. You don't get much. Yeah. But the nice thing is you get off at least more rural area away from Watertown. You get more off of just those main roads, and it's just the amount of traffic is so much less. Oh, yeah. And you can kind of just take your time and not feel like you're rushed or pushed on the shoulder constantly like you are on some of the main roads we have around yeah. Watertown. I feel if you ride by yourself, the main road, like uh, the state routes, so the bigger shoulders are really a better place to be. But do you feel safer on a faster speed with a bigger shoulder, or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, anything can happen anywhere, but uh, I feel that for myself, anyways, you know, because if I'm out riding with somebody, and you know, I don't leave anybody a message when I'm gone, when I'm supposed to come back, and it's kind of like, uh, well, they can find me alongside the road, maybe, as opposed to going down some country roads. They don't know where you're at. So I uh, can ping your phone if you want. So Craig was telling us before about how he's spending so much time on Zwift now. So, Craig, what makes you excited about wanting to do Zwift so much? Uh, it's mainly the convenience and safety. As you know, I can get the bikes all set up. All I got to do is throw a set of shorts on, get my shoes on, put my heart rate on, some water, and turn it on. And, and, you know, look for, you know, the best thing is, like, look for group rides with people from all around the world. Zwift thing is really cool. I mean, I get a better workout. I don't have to worry about traffic, road conditions, weather conditions, uh, animals. So I just get on, and what world am I going to play in today? And oh, well, so with a group ride here, we'll go ride with them. And I never ridden with these guys before. I'll go ride. And and, and when you get done, the shower is right there. Yeah, you, you get a flat tire. No, no, you don't. No. But I did have a problem. I had a mechanical actually. Well, one of the nights, anyways, I was riding pedaling, and my pedal kept on. My cleats kept on coming out of the pedal. I'm like, what, what's going on? So I'm put my foot back in the cleat. In the pedal and not really working out. And I look, and the pedal is broken. It was the Crank Brothers, oh, yeah. beater. The spring had broken. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm out. Oh, I gotta take a break. All right. So we kind of got into what I was going to say. The next question was: So what current trends really piques your interest right now besides swifting? So Todd. Well, gravel bikes is uh, is huge. It does take into account a lot of the problems with a lot of people are running into issues with somebody's on the phone not paying attention driving their car and coming close to hitting you that doesn't happen on the gravel road 
their speed is very reduced. And if you're not paying attention driving on the gravel road, you end up in the ditch. So everybody's paying attention. Everybody's going a lot slower. And um, and like you were saying, it's scenic. You're out there and heck, you're practically in the woods. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a trend that is still growing and hopefully will continue to grow. Yeah, of course, the biggest problem we have with gravel up here in the North Country is waiting for it to dry. Yeah. <laughs> Does it ever? <laughs> well, I think it's, for the most part, it's more the flat areas. I think the, 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 the ups and the downs, they dry fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed, like, being out in, like, Krogan, Adirondacks, you hit a flat that's in late May that's peanut butter mud the entire time, yeah. and it just absolutely drains you. So we do have to wait a little bit of time for it to dry out because most of them are more seasonal roads for a gravel. And even with with the Tug Hill Epic, there's a section of road that I keep expecting them to fix. There's a lot of big potholes in it. There's big ripples. There's standing water most of the year. And I finally got a chance to talk to a guy from the county. He was like, oh, no, we don't fix that one. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, we'd leave that for the four-wheelers. And I was like, how about just grade it down one day out of the year? That's all I need. And oddly enough, he wasn't willing to do it. So it's a little bit rougher of a section. I've ran into some areas in uh, Krogan-Harrisville where they just decided to drop a bunch of dirt. Mm -hmm. And it takes like a year or so for it to settle when it's actually rideable. If not, it's like really deep sand. There's a place on Fort Drum they go through in the springtime and drop some gravel. Really too big and chunky for even, you know, 45-centimeter tires millimeter tires and they're mainly for the tanks and, and humvees and trucks and stuff like that went from the packet down and then it's right the one thing that's really trend that i'm really excited about is bike packing it's got uh, my bags last year and i'm hoping to start getting the actual camping gear this year so i can actually start doing that because it just adds another facet to going out and enjoying the ride yeah that's a, that's another aspect of uh, cycling is getting big you know gcn and a lot of youtube shows are bike packing now and it, it looks interesting, stuff like that. But One of the other things that I... Actually, before I started doing the race, I was looking for touring loop that I could do up on the Tug Hill. And we'd figured out a loop that was about 130 miles. Figured we could offer it as either a two- or a three-day trip if I could work out the B&Bs and stuff. But, yeah, we haven't put that together yet, thanks to COVID. I've noticed there's a lot of uh, now gravel races that are also turning into stage races where they have different like campgrounds set up as uh, stops for the overnights to help break up the race and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But of course, it takes a crew to grab everybody's stuff, figure out how much people are allowed to take, whether it's in a a tote or it's in a box or whatever, and take it from stage to stage um, just to broaden what you can do for for races, really. Just that capability. Yeah, a lot of stage races. Now I want to say race of the Fondos, Fork to uh, Farm Fondo. That's a big one in the Northeast now. And they're, you know, they're a little pricey if you want the full aspect of it. You know, you can just stay in a hotel or you can have them drop a, like I said, a bag off or a coat and fill it with the camping supplies and, and let it go. Or you can go yourself. I mean, the Adirondacks is loaded, but uh, stay at the state campsites. And- Which I don't know how close Stillwater Reservoir is to where your race is, Todd. Oh, it's a long ways away. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's another place that you can actually have a good race because from number four just a water reservoir it's all gravel up around hilly and you know, little yeah a lot of elevation out there yeah and then you can go from still water to big moose that's not mm-hmm. so bad but it is it's you gotta it's still being heavily traveled and stuff like that from people going to still water i think i was in Stillwater last year just to take a ride and 
There wasn't many people on the road, but I mean, you could see it was all you gotta get out there, still water, and a big crowd out there. It's like, well, where are you guys at? Probably on the boats out there fishing and stuff. But at the is it northern end, there's a, a village that's only accessible by boat or if you want to hike in off the railroad tracks. So there's the campsites up there. Actually, old buildings, like an old logging community. I forgot the name of that place. Yeah. No, I used to camp out there. We'd show up with a canoe and canoe camp. Yeah. Try to get a spot on the island. Somebody inevitably would show up with a motorboat and beat you to the to the good spots. But, yeah, that was a long time ago. I don't know how it is anymore. Yeah, I don't but, know. but the parking lot would usually be full, yeah. that's for sure. It seems like with gravel getting so big, what are your impressions on how the bikes have changed? Because obviously, like three or four years ago, a gravel bike probably didn't exist. It was just a mountain bike. Yeah, I would say probably a little more than that. I mean, there was, you know, these cyclocross bikes came in, and they started making those a little bit bigger for t- bigger tires and stuff. Specializes tri-cross. That was tri-cross three ways. That was a touring bike, a cross bike, and a gravel bike before it's time. I mean, that's one of my frames that I have, and I can put a... A 45 millimeter wide tire in there and not in, and still have room but unfortunately it's not a disc brake so i can't mm-hmm. put a 650 in there with a bigger tire and that's the only thing i i regret is not having disc brakes or a gravel bike yeah the disc brakes is a big benefit they've definitely the gravel bike has evolved dramatically they're even starting to put shocks on them and stuff but yeah it did mostly come out of a the tri-cross came out of cyclocross. They people have been trying to modify their bikes to com- compete at, at cyclocross for years, changing out brakes, coming up with their own ideas, making room for fatter tires. Then they just figured out, oh, an offshoot of that would work better on gravel, and we could make it more leisure. And then they found out, oh, hey, this would be a good touring bike too. Yeah, it's definitely evolved. And a dirty Kansas had 200 miles on a gravel. And- those bigger races out in California and in the Midwest, they're just, you know, that's what made the population boom. In the Rasputitsa, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. When they got started, I think they had like 30 people showed up in over the course, less than a decade. Now there's hundreds. Cap it off at what, 2,500, I think? Yeah, something like that. And it, uh, in the one year, not too long ago, they got like a foot of snow during the event. And I was like, why Why would anybody show up at this? Apparently, Rasputitsa is Russian for the mud season. And it draws people like crazy. It does. It's just an aspect of something new. It's oh, it's different. I can you know buy a special bike for an N plus one collection. Speaking uh, of N plus one, if you did have to have an N plus one right now with the new bikes that are coming out, what would you go for? Uh, I would strictly go with the uh, a gravel bike because you can put skinnier tires on that if you want to. You don't have to run fat tires. You can put 28s and, and do just as well. You, you can't come do my event with 28s. Well, no, I mean, say, but, but I have the opportunity or the person yeah. has the opportunity. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to do this event. Now I've got another wheel set. i got I got 45s. Yeah. Or, or you know, 650s, 100 with 55s. A guy tried it with 28s. And instead of the 106 miles, he came in after 45 miles and had six flat tires <laughs> during that short period. And so he was then officially out of pat because he was tubeless. Yeah. But so he had the little cords to, to fix it. And his tire looked like a porcupine. Really? But, but you know, it's, it's such a great thing. It's a heavy-duty frame. Heavier duty frame. I mean, not saying that the road bike 
couldn't handle something like that. And you've got tire selection from, I believe, a 32 to up to what, low 50s? Yeah, if, if you, uh, you can, so that's how you get a 700 centimeter frame to start with, and you put 650s in there and make them wider. Seen them with 2.1s. Well, you put mountain bike tires on if you want, or you can make a mountain bike at a drop, drop handle bar and say, look at me go. Right, and uh, of course, with a lot of the the riding I at least do in the Adirondacks, a part of me does kind of think of sometimes it'd be safer to use a mountain bike than a gravel mm -hmm. bike because in the areas I ride in, which is northern Krogan to Harrisville, it's so inconsistent and it's like sometimes it feels like I'm hitting every spectrum of gravel just by riding sometimes 10 miles because yeah. you go from unmaintained to probably never been maintained. I use, I use my mountain bike when I'm exploring to check out. There's a lot of sections on the course that you can't drive your car on either because they're not allowed or it's just too rough so yeah i take the take the mountain bike and cover that ground because like you say when you go from one township to the other or from one county to another they just have a different idea of what they're doing with that road and it feels like some of the gravel roads kind of evolve year after year based on what kind of traffic they're getting like a lot of the ones i ride in in belfort area harrisville it's a lot of logging trucks that never, and the roads never get maintained. So it, you can kind of see how the road evolves over the years where you do start to get some ruts and then some years you just don't. Right at our start finish line at Flat Rock Inn, there has been a windmill development going on. Those big trucks just absolutely destroy the road. At the beginning of the season, there was fist-sized cobbles the entire, you know, for like two or three miles right at the finish line. Nobody wanted that. But then I showed up less than a month before the race, and boy, they'd come through and they'd put down a new top on it, and it was gorgeous. And by race day, they'd killed it already. The big trucks had just absolutely pitted it and brought those big stones to the surface again, or had put new stone down. So hopefully that project will be done this year and we'll be able to get in there and, and, and they'll have a decent surface on that. Now I'm looking at getting access to that new project because they've got all new roads and stuff through there and using that as part of the course because it looks like it's going to be fun. It's a lot of twisty, windy and up and down and, and adding that is, is in is what's going to allow me to cut out Lewis County or out Oswego County. So the paperwork will go down and I think it's going to be a much funner course. One of the things I, I hope to get in when I can actually find one of the bikes is I eventually want to get into fat biking. It's something, especially with this area, with how much snow we get. Yeah, that's another uh, bike style, fat bike. If, if I had it my way, I would get myself a gravel bike and a fat bike because that's all you're going to need. I mean, even with a fat bike, you can put skinny tires on it if you want to. Skinnier. Skinnier, yeah. Three and a half inch. Yeah. Or three inch. You can ride that or you can keep the four and a half and ride GCN did a, uh, a climbing comparison with a 26-inch, a 29, 650s, and a fat bike. And the fat bike just rode rode away from everybody because it just... Going uphill, yeah. Yeah, yeah lots of traction. Oh, yeah. I mean, only five pounds of pressure in the tire, and you're not racing. Well, you can race now. You get, you know, I did a fat and another yeah. fat tire bike races. Yeah, that we time. have uh, going on a couple of weeks in Winona Forest, which is Mansfield area. I have friends in Krogan that ride fat bikes, and they say it's you're not going fast on them sometimes especially based on how much the snow is. But obviously, if it's a groomed snowmobile trail, then obviously you can go a lot faster than right. broken into snow. And there are some ski resorts up in New England that do have fat bike trails with fat bike rentals. Winona is, has really started catering to it a lot. Yeah. But they used to groom mostly for cross-country skiing. 
and snowmobiling, and then one section for dog sleds. Yeah, they've really started to, okay, instead of having two sets of cross-country skis, now we'll put one section cross-country skis, and we'll just leave the rest of it flat for the fat bikes. So they groom it and pack it all down, make it all nice and... Well, you think of stuff like fat bikes, snowshoes, I would think that would be something to naturally push down the ground anyway yeah. for, for cross-country. Yeah, very compatible. But the cross-country skiing, they, they don't like it if you mess up their tracks. So that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, so. really. <laughs> E-bikes. Owning a bike shop, I'm supposed to be opposed to them. I'm supposed to be hardcore, regular bike. It's, they, they're so much fun. You, you can ride up the mountain. Around here, I think McCulley, out by Old Forge, is a perfect venue for your e-bike. The one I had was a Cannondale with a fair amount of travel, probably 120 or 140 millimeters. At McCulley, they don't run the lifts, and it's an hour and a half away. The math just doesn't work out for me on a regular bike. Mm-hmm. If So also about <clears throat> e-bikes, there's that ability for uh, couples to ride together? Yeah, I've uh, been using it as really the primary sales pitch for, for trying to sell bikes. And it really is the best thing about them is that uh, it's a great equalizer. A lot of the reason couples don't ride together is because one of them, most of the time, the guy is a lot stronger. He's either waiting around for her to catch up or just not getting a good workout riding with him. That works out fine if it's a date and, you know, when you're early on. It's better to ride with people that are similar strength. The e-bike does that. You can set it up. There's a big discrepancy in ability. Then you just put the weaker person on the e-bike and suddenly they, they can keep up. In fact, they can usually kick your butt going up the hills. And if it's a smaller discrepancy, well, then you both get an e-bike, and one of you runs at 20% boost and one at 60%. And there's also that ability to always turn off the, the function of using the e-bike. Yeah. to do that. <laughs> then you're just carrying a heavier bike around, too. <laughs> oh, but, um, it's a good workout. Yeah. And the, you know, so all those times that uh, you've been out with somebody and they can't keep up and they can't get up the hills the e-bike just you know in most cases now suddenly they're ahead going up the hills and your only chance of catching them is on the downhill or flats they are governed at 20 so as soon as you get to 20 miles an hour it's not helping anymore everybody knows that only fools pedal downhill so really it doesn't help that much anyway so if you're an experienced rider you don't put a lot of effort into going downhill. Just the math is no good. The wind resistance, the amount of horsepower that it takes to go 30 miles an hour is exponentially more than, you know, going at 28 miles an hour. So most people don't put a lot of power in going downhill. It's just, it's not efficient. Some of the uh, new ones from GT, yeah. they're making uh, the grade and an E, so it's it's actually a gravel bike. The tubing on it, boy, it's hard to tell there's a, a motor in that bad boy. In comparison to like the older style Cannondales with the really big tubes, you'd be hard pressed to, at first glance, know that it was that it was an e-bike. As a event director, we're gonna have to start taking into account that there's gonna, people are gonna want a category for it. Oh yeah, if it makes more people participate, why not? Yeah. You know? Um, just you know, opens just, it up to yeah, everybody. Just make sure you don't use an e-bike in a regular bike race. Yeah, yeah. 
And you got to, you know, like as the director, you've got to watch for people doing it. Fortunately, right now, because we're at a 106-mile event, most of the e-bikes won't get you there. And so does it work out if you get 50 miles really fast and efficient and then you have to carry that dead battery and motor the rest of the way it's hard to know how it works well, out probably more for your shorter categories then yeah. it does make sense it would be a huge advantage in like the 40 and probably even the 75 but we'll have to watch for them and make sure nobody's cheating and you know and just make a category for it because a lot of people do show up because hey it would be there are parts of it that are just gorgeous we're out in the windmills, we're up on the Tug Hill. There's a part that is on an old railroad grade that runs right through the middle of a small lake. I guess when they were building the railroad, the guys didn't want to go around. So they just built straight across, backed the train up and dumped rock in until it filled in the lake and made a little causeway right across. It's so narrow, you can't have two cars going in opposite directions on it. So you have to stop and look for somebody and i wouldn't feel comfortable with more than three bikes abreast on it and so yeah it would it's just it's beautiful out there and if the e-bike opens it up for more people then you know we'll make a category yeah, over in europe they're doing a lot of e-bike categories and stuff like that but yeah. you know, it's more popular over there as far as commuting and, and cargo hauling actually some of the bigger e-bikes that are hauling for businesses and deliveries and stuff like that small deliveries yeah i mean i know a guy in fact his bike is right over there he doesn't have a car he lives all the way out uh actually in the adirondacks it's 12 miles he's retired so he doesn't have to go to work but he still commutes the 12 miles into town every day just to go get coffee and hang out with friends and stuff at uh, the only problem i have is like you know when you get to a store where's a safe place to put it you get to a restaurant to work are you going to put it right on the side of the restaurant? Or, or work at a bike shop, then there's always room to oh, there's park plenty. your bike inside. <laughs> the infrastructure for storing a bike is nowhere resort it should be. No. Yeah. Okay, we got a bike rack outside. Oh, that's sweet. I, for years, I've been trying to talk the downtown YMCA into creating a bike locker. Mm -hmm. Just to take one of the empty rooms downstairs and make it so that you can ride your bike into town, drop it off there, take a quick shower, and there's thousands of jobs within walking distance of that Y. It would be so easy to, you know, drop your bike off, take a shower, get done work, go down, get changed, hop on your bike. They've got an elevator that put the bike on. It would be so easy. So far, no luck convincing them that that's what they need to do. But I don't have the shower facilities, I don't have the lockers, I don't have room for all of that. And I'm a little farther away from most of the businesses, but so they'd have to walk a little farther. Yeah, the bigger uh, communities and stuff like that, I have the uh, rental bikes or the scooters you can rent. I, I thought that was pretty neat inside. You know, they went to Louisville, Kentucky a couple of years ago and they had the electric bikes that you could rent or the electric scooters. Some of them aren't even electric. When I was in Reno, they were just the green bikes. Yeah. And They'd lock them up everywhere, and you could show up and with an app on your phone, yep. unlock a bike, and you could ride it around town and drop it off at any of the other, other ones. And yeah, you won't you won't find that in Northern New York. If the co cops find them, they know who they belong to. <laughs> yeah. When I started picking a date for the Tug Hill Epic, everybody was like, "Dude, why did you pick the middle of July 
And I was like, well, because if you look at the historical weather data for the Tug Hill, the average high temperature for that time of year is 76 degrees. That's the average. So figure you can go plus or minus 20 degrees off of that. It's not going to be crazy hot. This last one year, we, uh, it was, people were cold. We sold quite a lot of jackets and stuff. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody complained that it was hot. Well, it was like when Wayne Vanderpool had his triathlon over at the uh, State Park. Oh, yeah. He had it in September. And notoriously, it rained or it was minus 50 degrees. And <laughs> people were wearing their summer kits because that's what they... Yeah. That's well, it was it was the weekend after Labor Day is when it was. Was it? So, <clears throat> yeah, oh, so the weeks. park was pretty much closed up yeah. because it was after Labor Day. And you could, yeah, you could have everything from, it was a two-day event. You could show up on Saturday and it was 70 degrees, no wind, and just, and, and then you come back on Sunday and it was... 42 degrees and the wind was howling and it looked like snow so it's always a crapshoot picking a date last question because i think we can probably get a lot off of this so we've been talking about what makes you stoked what trends make you stoked what makes you not stoked to ride a bicycle traffic respect from the other drivers texting watching people text i mean the weather you can't do much about so yeah this part of the world it is you know the only other downside is weather I used to commute to work. It was just two miles to work. Yeah, for nine years, I didn't own a car. In the wintertime, you'd have to switch over and cross-country ski or snowshoe or something in because the snowbanks get too big and they... It takes them a while to get used to being on the road in the springtime when you start coming in. Four years ago, I had three guys come into the shop and they were from Ottawa. This was the middle of February and they were riding their bikes from Ottawa quote we're gonna see how far south we can get before we run out of time and I think they had three weeks they were more than a week into it already and from Ottawa to here is two and a half hours by car that the day they got here in the afternoon had slept on Fort Drum which is nine miles away so here it was Oh, two o'clock in the afternoon, and they'd only made nine miles that day because of the weather. I literally talked to three people later who told me, oh, I saw these three guys, and they had their bikes loaded. Honest to God, they almost died. I watched them almost die. I had three people tell me that, that they had seen um, people almost hit them. And that was between here and Adams. I was like, well... Guys, what do you, you know, you're going to ride for another couple of days and then turn around and head back? They were like, oh, no, no, we were, we're going to see how far we can get in the three weeks. And then we're going to take the bus home. So I suggested next time, take the bus down to Virginia. And then start from Ride there. around for three weeks and then take the bus home. They thought that was a pretty good idea. So hopefully they're going to do that. Because I guess the point is that the roads are not, they, they put a big shoulder on them. But in the wintertime... They fill it up with snow, right? which is what it's for. Yep. That's why they put it there in the first place, is to have some place to wing back the snow. No, we don't ride very much in the wintertime outside. I mean, there's a few people that do. There's uh, something in Lowville I've seen come up Route 12. I remember when I used to work nights, 
I made a delivery at Stewart's and Melvin. I was coming up back to Watertown. And it was 5.30ish in the morning. And I'm coming up 12 out of Watertown. I'm like, is that a blinky light up there? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and, and the temperature was actually minus 38 degrees. I don't know what the wind chill was. But my truck was having a hard time just to keep running. And I'm climbing the through 12 out by the hotel there. And it's getting closer. Sure enough, it was somebody on a mountain bike, bundled up. And I'm thinking, that's probably a farmhand or something like that, getting to work if he's heading out of the, the village. So, like, God bless him, man. But I seen, not too long ago, I was in Lowellville, and I come back 5 o'clock at night or so, and the blinkly light up there, and it's, you know, wintertime, it's like, well, the road's a lot better now. It's not snowing, so it's a little bit warmer. It's about 20 degrees, so. Yeah, usually I just, right now, I've been watching the weather. If it, if it breaks over 30, and I know the roads are clear, I'll, I'll be out. Yeah, yeah, I'll be out riding, even though my everyone I know thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you have flats every once in a while. You have mechanical issues that happen when you're riding. Well, those you can't control. That? So, yeah. you know, it happens, it happens. The other thing that you can't control is getting hold is just makes it so much harder. I mean, like I said, I used to, for nine years, I rode the bike back and forth to work. Been there, done that. Not doing no more. I can't do that anymore. It gets below 60 and I knee guards on. Otherwise, they my knees ache for two days because they've gotten cold and... Arthritis is setting in. Yeah, nothing that we can do anything about. No. Not a whole lot to not be stoked about riding is, riding is fun. Shelter box? Yeah, the shelter box. I'm a little concerned about the shelter box, to be honest with you. They're talking about doing a timed event with it. The venue is no good for a timed event. It just isn't. You're starting down there in the harbor. It's a little narrow road. Unless you closed the road, all it's going to take is one car coming the other way. And people trying to race are going to all be forced into half the road to go around. It's going to be a mess. Lead vehicle, there's no chase vehicle. And the roads aren't closed. was talking to Tom when he was telling me about it. The community support is everything. I don't know if anybody's aware of it, but if you go to Sackett's Harbor during the Spoker Ride, the people that live in town, they don't like that event. It's a pain in everybody's butt. That is, again, you know, it's a small village in the narrow roads, but it's a big enough town that they can go around. People that live right there, they're like, oh, this is, it's annoying. They think it's a safety hazard. And Tom was like, well, you know, the people of Henderson, of the harbor, really support us. And they're all, and my point was, yeah, and you don't want to lose that. And I think he will if suddenly there's a race atmosphere. Well, there's always been sort of a there's fast been a, people. Yeah, know. there has. There's, there's always been a few people that... But there's a few. Yeah. Yeah, just In, a few. You don't want, because most of them are just there for... The event to support yeah. and for the ride, not yeah. to race and be too serious it's, about it. It's not even timed. They don't time the thing. Not no. only don't they chip it, but they don't even time it. There's not a thing out right. there. Go, bang. Yeah. It's like, okay, have a, have a good, safe ride. And he's going to lose all that. And I think he'll lose the support of the town if they have to close things down or if they have to. We should go see at least how many people are going to sign up for that part of the event. Yeah. Compared to. And, Everybody else. One of they've been constantly changing the course. In last year, you you guys are you know familiar with this super steep hill that comes in there. Well, he had them start going out that 
<laughs> going up that, and everybody was like, "What the heck is uh, this?" I'm not even warmed up yet, and you want me to go up a ten yeah. percent grade for the next quarter of a mile? Almost a half a mile it goes uh, up yeah. there. Yeah, and three. So you, you can't start going up it, especially in a timed event, and you absolutely can't end. Well, that that, that actually will help it. out because you know some people ain't going to be able to motor would, up that thing right off the bat. Nobody wants to race and get. So separated from the group at the very beginning. Oh, what, and then ride out there in no man's land all by yourself for 50 miles? Nobody wants that. Everybody wants to stay in that group and pick their strategic time to try to make a break or to make your team. So, and you absolutely can't end there. And that's where the 50 mile well, used to One thing to I end. didn't like about the course last year is it kind of like went out, came back to start finishing, then came back. Yeah, he know. does like 25 miles out and yeah. then comes back through town. I, I liked before was just like one big loop to yeah. come around. Can you imagine coming through the harbor, doing the entire harbor road and you got in a race group yeah. of 50 people? Oh, it would be that many. You know, but if it was... I think I mean, by look that at, time it's going to be about... Two or three or maybe five at the most. Yeah, look at the Spoker ride. That's gotten bigger that, popularity because of that. Yeah, but that's what they're trying to shoot yeah. for with Spoker, you know, is to get those same teams to show up and, and do do it as a race. Heck, you can't, you, you couldn't come through Henderson Harbor with anything resembling a big group of people in race formation taking up the entire road. The town wouldn't put up with it. The yeah. residents wouldn't put up with it. Well, I don't think it's the residents, I think the local law enforcement probably do the same thing. I thought it was just be like a ride, not a, a race, you know. Once, once you put the timer on you, it's, yeah. now it's a race. And your insurance changes yeah. completely. Then they want to know who's, you know, what sanctioned body is making the rules and setting the course. And oh, for sure. And then you got to have people directing traffic at every major intersection yeah. or every intersection period, especially if it's a race. Because you know, cyclists aren't going to stop at the intersection. Not if they're racing. I got the right away. No, you don't, dude. And, you know, if you want to actually stop traffic, in this state anyway, you need either a cop or a fire police. They're the only people that legally can stop traffic for something. You can't just be like, hey, we need some volunteers. Uh, Hop on out here and, and, you know, just stop traffic when the bikes are coming through. Not on Route 3. Not Not on Route 3, not on uh, anywhere along there. Road marshals there just to direct which way you can go. I mean, if, you know. And to, to some extent to, to stop the bikes yeah. if it's a dangerous situation. Yep. Uh, racing, you're not going to want to do that. No. I, think he's, I think he's off in the wrong direction on that. I don't, I don't I think there's a lot of interests for it, but it's you know, just time yourself. Yeah. You know, and then at the end of the finish, like, you write down you know, your mileage and your, your time hand jam it and it's like yeah people oh, i went faster than that uh, no dude, well, right down you, you know in this day and age all you really have to do is be like okay anybody that wants to compete start your 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 phone and map my ride or whatever or strava start strava and you know that's the other thing we were looking at doing with my race was there's a couple of decent sized hills to put in strava and yeah, let everybody know at the at the end. You can just go through and be like, oh, and say who was the quickest going up. Yeah, you can the have hills a up the... there and say, oh, listen, yeah. you know, were you? Did you have numbers? Everybody got a number. Yeah, so. the, you couldn't because of the rain. You couldn't really see so. them after you know half a mile. 
Um, well, you can always sit there yourself and click there's yep. the first one, click third, fourth, fifth, sixth. The people that put them on the front of the bike that you could see. And so that's probably what we'll recommend this year. Yeah. But any of them that had it on their back, the mud just kicked that on <laughs> so hard. When they would come in, we'd have to yell, hey, what's your number? What's your number? <laughs> As when I was a cycling official. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. It's like, uh, what's your number, dude? That was part of the questionnaire. When you cross the finish line, if you want to win, you got to know your number. Oh, what is it? I'm <laughs> um, not telling you. <laughs> no, they're, you know, oxygen deprived. And, what's your number? Ah, uh, what's your name? Here's an idea. Write it on your hand. <laughs> yeah. That's if you ever, you know, if you want to do something, go on YouTube and, and uh, go to, try to get on one of those Korean uh, YouTube sites for cycling. Absolutely fabulous. The, the infrastructure they got there for cycling is unbelievable. Actually, you know, they'll have a bridge, and maybe a good mile long bridge going across one of the rivers, and they'll have a dedicated cycling lane. And underneath long river rigs, there'll be dedicated cycling lanes, and they have a different color for them, they'll have a different color for runners and walkers, and, mm-hmm. and everybody's all, you know, polite and Actually staying in their lane? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be something. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, their mentality. The same thing with the Japanese. It's unbelievable the amount of infrastructure they got there for riding and the uh, respect they got for people on bicycles. I mean, I've seen entire YouTube channels where just a guy who puts on a GoPro and tries to ride in the bike lane, and there's people just walking all over it, and he's yelling at them. That's the States. um, Parking in the bike lanes, yeah. you know, like right here in this town. <coughs> and then he, uh, the last one I saw, there was a cop car parked on the bike lane. Yep. And so he just plowed right into the back of it on his bike. <clears throat> just, you know, get his point across. Yeah, but... Over this country, there's some, there's some areas that are a lot better. You know, the, uh, unfortunately, the rails of trails thing is a great thing. I mean, the Empire State Trail now is in New York State. North and south, east and west. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't come up here. It's you know along the major Buffalo to Albany, then New York City up to uh, almost Montreal if you want to go that way. You know, so. But yeah, on the other side of the Adirondacks. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, nothing here. But even locally, they, yeah, it was over 20 years ago. They were talking about they put a water line in from like Brownville out to Cape Vincent. They were petitioning for money to turn that into a bike path. And that would have just been fantastic because yep. from Cape Vincent, you can take the ferry and go over to Kingston. And, you know, they would have they would have ridden over from Kingston, gotten here and ridden pretty much into Watertown. Oh, it's another just I, I just thought huge of. Huge shape. Uh, there's a Grand Fondo, Thousand Island Grand. Yeah, well, they've got a bike lane that pretty much runs all along the, the river. Yeah, that's nice. You know. it's, Thousand Island Grand Fondo, and I just heard about that one a couple years ago, or this year, last year. It's like, really? I never knew that happened. And there's, you know, thousands of people that do the Grand Fondo up there. It's like, well, I guess I never really paid attention to that side of the river as far as cycling goes. Yeah, well, the last couple of years, you couldn't go to it anyway. Yeah, no. No, that's yeah, true. All, it was all virtual anyways. It's, you know, do your own thing. Yeah. Now, is... The idea behind the whole Spoker Ride, Spoker Ride time trial, is that because of COVID precautions, or is that just wanting to switch it up? Well, that's... Uh, Sorry, shelter box, box shelter yeah, box, yeah. COVID. No, that's, they've got uh, new influence on the, oh. on the board, and yeah, so he, 
he wanted to take over that aspect of it himself and be like, well, we could charge an extra $10 if they wanted to be timed. I just don't think the course lends itself to it. But I would think with something like that, if you wanted to do something like that, cool, do it a different day. Yeah. Keep what you got going. <clears throat> exactly. And just don't screw with what you've already established with that community and just do another weekend or advertise there on that weekend too. Hey, we're going to do this down the road. Or turn it into, well, Saturday we're doing this sure. and Sunday we're doing that. That way, if you wanted to come into town and do both, you could stay and the Chamber of Commerce would be behind that. You know, Chamber of Commerce is love two-day events. <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, I just I, there's almost no aspect of the course that I think is is going to be good for it. I mean, there's a section where they go three miles down the road out to a lighthouse and turn around and come back. Oh, well, we're going to time it. Well, how many of those people are just going to skip that six miles? That's what I was saying. I was like, use Tom, your, how are you going to make sure they yeah. don't? Well, use your Garmin, you know. Yeah. And then you have to write it down as, you the, know. The or only or put to, up, if you want, you can put up a time, you know, and everybody goes at timer starts going and then as you cross the lines there's your the only the only way to do it is to set up another chip reader out at the lighthouse yeah it's or they're not gonna do that for next 10 bucks yeah exactly at at what point do you realize we're just literally going out and back to a lighthouse yeah i don't feel like going all the way out to the lighthouse and always going to check in or you get headed out and you see that people that are doing the same course they're coming back and you're like well I'm, I'm, I'm three miles behind. Oh, you know what? No, I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, and he does that in a couple of different spots. Unless, unless at, there's somebody literally with a clipboard just writing down numbers at the, yeah. at the lighthouse. Yeah. And at this point, he doesn't have anybody out there at all. There was somebody at the uh, entrance to the um, campgrounds, so you wouldn't go down the hill. There was somebody that would turn around. Yeah. And that was it. But as far as the lighthouse goes, it, you know, obviously it was or Wiley State Park. Mm-hmm. They're way out there, right? And yeah, they used to uh, go into into the state parks yeah. and back out. That's another spot you could just. It, what I know for certain is that people accidentally skip it. Let alone, hey, we're being timed, and I yeah. could you know gain a little on these guys or whatever. So, no, the course that he has doesn't work well. The venue doesn't work well for. A race, and I'm concerned he's going to lose the support of the community. He gets huge support. He gets more volunteers. Man, if I could get that many volunteers. He actually came and volunteered for my event because I've been helping him out with his for so many years. How long has the shelter box been going? Eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, like if you get that magic number of five years, and you know you're you're doing pretty good for an event if you're going over that number. They tell me it gets easier all the time to be race director, but I'm not sure that that's true. Well, you get to know the people you got to deal with. Yeah. The, the system you got to deal with and how they run their paperwork and what mm-hmm. they expect and what you have to say. And I've talked to a few race directors for the uh, USA cycling events I used to officiate. And I was like, dude, I'm amazed what you guys do. And they're like, uh, we've been doing it for so long, I know everybody to talk to, and, you know, it's just a formality now of just going in and say, listen, this is the weekend, we're going to do it, you know, just... Yeah, that's what I've had to do, because I did a cross race last year in northern Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's 
it's just literally it all comes down to the relationships with the people yeah. you have to work with as long as they're solid and and they know you and they're friendly with it that's fine because we try i tried to find a backup venue just in case i couldn't get that venue and i couldn't find another venue so it's just sometimes it just if you can find that everything works with that township or yeah. that parks department or whatever don't piss them off <laughs> yeah yeah. I tried doing that with three counties yeah. and yeah. seven different townships. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a... I had a guy come from Pennsylvania, the guy that was out there until 1030 at night, really? in spite of the fact that I put up signs that said, if it's after 530, you need to take this shortcut right here. He rode right by him, thinking, well, if I can get, I, I'd really like to get to the next water stop is how he explained it. If I, I'd be better if I, well, it's after 5.30. The water stops are gone. We pulled those. Why? You were supposed to turn. And cell phone coverage yeah, it's is another thing too. almost non-existent out there. Yeah, you know, like fish hitting and stuff like that. It's like in the Adirondacks. We did stuff up in Lake Placid and, and Elizabethtown and stuff like that, which are great venues. But if there was an emergency, a crash or something like that, you, you look at your cell phone, it's like, I passed off just sending smoke signals. Because there's really, you know, they always hold the events. Well, there's no signals whatsoever. I'm seriously considering trying to get some guys with uh, shortwave radios yeah. for out on the course. Or even just back at the start finish I, I and be able to send them out and have one guy who's doing the, the sweep have him with a radio. Because we got, I need, the, the guy who did sweep needs a little more experience because. He found somebody, and he picked him up, and he brought him back to the start. It literally takes 45 minutes to get from the start-finish to the farthest point yeah. out there. And now he's abandoned his task in order to spend an hour and a half running this guy back. When what he really needed to do is be like, okay, get in. We're going to finish. It's going to be a long time for you to go back. Everybody liked that it was all the way over in Winona, <laughs> you know, that it was a big course in a, they, because a, some people did it, an experience. They liked the view. They liked the, the windmills. They liked the view. It wasn't, you know, a serious race. Some guys used it as a training event. There were a couple people that were headed to do the Leadville 100. Is just about exactly a month after my event and so they were using it uh to train there's a whole lot more oxygen here than there is at leadville a good training venue for them so they didn't want to go around and around and around they wanted as much elevation as possible and they wanted to see new terrain all the time no i think it's a good course i think it'll be even better this year cell phone coverage is really our big obstacle. Thank you for joining us on the first episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Until next time, just keep rolling.